Welcome to this episode of Shine Abroad. Living abroad impacts deeply our perception of time. We think that while we are far from home, things remain the same, nothing changed. Or perhaps we think that the people back home change, but not as much as we think. Hence why when we go back for holiday, for Christmas or summer, we can remain surprised of how quickly our nieces or nephews grew up, or how old our parents or people near to us are becoming. We don't realize, however, how much we change too, and how much time passed for us in what is our reality abroad. Often with my clients, I hear two sentences. It is too late, or it is not the right time. When I hear it, I always smile at that, because I know where they're coming from. But if we focus for a second, it is too late is connected and focused on the past, or what could we have done before, and for some reason we haven't, and what tickets of our life marathon we missed. It is not the right time instead, focuses on the future, this ideal tomorrow where it just have all the perfect combination of time, energy, people, dynamic, circumstances, so that we can take that specific action that we cannot take today. If we come back to the life marathon, we can think that all of us are running toward a goal. Some of us are escaping from the past. Some of us feel restless and keep running without a clear direction. What is in common between these three categories is what I call the marathon runner trap. And what do I mean with the marathon runner's trap? Is this idea that time becomes heavy to manage while we are waiting? And it could happen that we are waiting for our marathon ticket. We are waiting what we call the opportunity, the right opportunity for us. The question is, while we are waiting, what are we doing? A professional runner would exercise every day, eat well, I assume sleeping well, I'm not a runner, so I assume that, but we're trying to make as many actions as possible so that when that marathon ticket arrives, they are ready. Do we do the same? I don't know you, but sometimes, or perhaps very often, if we want to be really honest, I don't. As a consequence, what could happen is that we end up in the non-action dynamic where we feel lost, uncertain, and we are just waiting for confirmation of the ticket to take some action. And COVID somehow represents that, represents that ticket of a marathon that at the moment is not even possible to run because of the lockdowns across the country, across basically the planet, that 
made us stuck because we feel uncertain or lost somehow. What could happen is that we receive the confirmation for our ticket and we can end up in what it is like the hyperaction. So this doing and overdoing without clear direction. Only few of us remember that training and preparation are far longer than the actual marathon and actually the value behind the result of our running comes from the preparation and the training. It doesn't come from that day specifically. I'm giving this example about the marathon runner because time has been always a topic that I struggle with. And to make sense to myself, I always try to translate something that is so abstract with a clear example, a concrete one that I can relate to. What I realize is that if we have a mission, a direction that could be to become the best runner ever or run every day or to increase our muscles or create a runner group, performance time, preparation time, training are the same things because are all the necessary steps to move forward toward that mission, toward that direction. I mentioned the previous episodes that I lived in Austria for a project and I was working in English. I'm Italian, as you know, or my assume by my accent. And I spent eight hours of my day in the office speaking English and working in English. However, outside the office, people were speaking Austrian. And I really wanted to learn. I was so focused and determined and very keen to learn. Soon I met a guy. He was a researcher. He was in love with healthcare as I was. So we were spending evenings speaking about healthcare, clinical trials, and all the things I was passionate about. When it was just between me and him, everything was okay because we were speaking in English. However, soon I started feeling uncomfortable when I was around his friends or people he knew. Because, of course, after a few sentences, in particular if they didn't have a strong English, they would start speaking in Austrian, making jokes, laughing all together. I really felt left out. And I really felt hungry. Not with them, but with myself. Because I put such a high expectation on me to learn extremely quickly Austrian. Lucky enough, because I need to say, I've been lucky in my life to meet so many great people. My mentor told me to read War and Peace by Tolstoy. In response to my question, how to learn quickly Austrian. When he proposed that book, I felt like I'm studying already Austrian. I'm exhausted. My head is speaking three languages. Why? this man is suggesting me 
to add other material to read or to spend time on, this doesn't make sense. However, I had such a strong faith and trust in this person that I said to myself, let me make sure that I take the best from this situation and let me read this book. Many of you might know the sentence that is now everywhere as a quote in Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn or TikTok from Tolstoy saying, the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Behind this quote, there is such a great story. Extremely briefly, because I'm very aware this is not a podcast about history, uh, the one that become one. <laughs> but I want to share a bit of context behind that, what was my learning. In the book War and Peace, Tolstoy was describing the battles between the Russian army and the French army. Kutuzov, a general that was managing the Russian army, had a battle with Napoleon in around September 1812. In that battle, none of them won, but both of them lost a significant amount of soldiers. Kutuzov was aware that at that moment, the French army was bigger than the Russian one. So what he decided to do, he allowed Napoleon to get Moscow. He organized the population to be evacuated before the French army get the capital. So it's just a big thing. This general allowed the enemy to get the capital of the empire. And what he did, he closed the southern region of Russia, where the weather was not too harsh, and pushed Napoleon and the army on the northern region of Russia. Smolensk, I do hope that, dear Russian friends, I'm really sorry I'm not good with this pronunciation, but Kutuzov forced Napoleon to march through Smolensk. So the French army lost a meaningful amount of soldiers because of the weather and because of the lack of food. Kutuzov says, there is nothing stronger than those two, patient and time. They will do it all. And later he adds, patient time are my warriors, are my champions. By reading this book and speaking with my mentor at the time, what I realized was that my strong frustration about Austrian was coming from my tough relationship with patients. So I tried to explore the why, why I was so restless, why I was so terrified by inaction. And what I realized that with university, college, primary school, there is a defined pace. For example, university, it takes in total three years, the master takes a year. If in the very first day of uni, you would say, I want to complete university in three months, 
everyone will look at you as you are insane. Just because someone from outside defined that three years is a reasonable amount of time to complete that journey. When we leave university or any academic journey, we need to define the path and we need to define the pace. And the only way to understand if we are late or if we are early or we are on time is to compare ourselves to others or compare ourselves to our expectation. This was the mistake that I made because others' experiences were not a great comparison as I was living abroad and I changed many times. So I couldn't have the same promotion or the same um, private relationship as people that stayed in the same place had. Also, comparing myself with my expectation was not so useful either because my expectations were not data-driven, not experience-driven. They were just assumptions that I made just because I was scared to be in the inaction. I wonder you take back your Shine Abroad notebook for the exercise of this episode. This exercise is focused on the place where we are right now. So we can describe our lives in two scenarios. One is a prison. So I ask you to draw a prison, use colors, use bars. Please write down the aspect of your life that you feel stuck or on a limbo. Somehow that you're waiting for something. This part of your life needs to go under the prison column. On the other side, we have the theater stage. Please draw a stage with red curtains, wooden floors, many empty chairs. Please write down the aspect of your life where you feel that you're really growing, that you are adding value, that you are exploring how to be better, where you are perhaps also posing to think what's the best next step to take. Once written down the list, please see which one is the longest and try to find a way to move some of the ones sitting under the prison to the stage. For the rational people, you can just write down state and prison on the top and just do your list. It's very fine. You don't need to draw. But what I ask you to do, trying to find a why. I want to give you a brief example that might, might help. This is more for the ladies. Sorry, guys. While I was dating, I remember that I was always uncomfortable in thinking that I was single. Or if we frame it in a different way, I was always a bit restless in understanding why I couldn't find someone to connect properly with and how lucky everyone else was somehow. I shared this frustration with my Buddhist leader. Ah, just to say, 
I'm Buddhist. <laughs> now you know. Her comment was so brief, but so profound. Because she told me, don't just look for a boy or a guy. Don't look for this love. This is not a way to expand your life. As a young woman, what I urge you to do is to work on yourself to become a smart, beautiful woman whom all the men will fall in love with and you will decide which man can be near to you. You will choose. You will not be chosen as it happened in the past. That comment really stayed with me and I realized how I was looking outside. I was in the waiting position. I was in the bench. I was in my prison waiting for something that I could influence. So coming back to the example, to the single ladies that are looking for a partner, and perhaps also to the single men that are looking for a partner, you can move from being in prison to be on the stage by taking action. Perhaps you could work on an aspect of your personality that is something challenging. Perhaps you are easy to get offended, so you might want to work on that because in a relationship of value, you should be able to receive feedback from the person that you love. Perhaps your physique doesn't make you feel comfortable and you might want to work more on your shape, not because of the other person, because of your confidence. Because you know that, what is I know that, when I don't feel attractive, I tend to be more insecure, I tend to be more jealous, I tend to be more nervous. So why does my partner need to pay for something that is coming up just from my insecurity and my fears? What does stop me to work on that? We are at the end of this episode of Shine Abroad. Please feel free to share with friends, colleagues, or other experts that might find it beneficial. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube as Adele the Coach. You can find me on LinkedIn as Adele Testa. And of course, you can comment this podcast and I will make sure to come back to you. Ciao!